puts down the mighty from their thrones, but he also exalts the lowly. See that? See, that's why God works in unexpected ways. That's why people say that God's kingdom is upside down, or I'd like to say God's kingdom is right side up. Our lives are upside down, right? Because we have this tendency to think that the powerful, they're going to be exalted, and the lowly, they're just going to keep getting lower. But in God's ways, God works in unexpected ways, and those who are humble get exalted. God doesn't do things the way we would. That's why some would call his wisdom backward. It just doesn't make sense sometimes. Well, today, Pastor Daniel explains that it's not God's kingdom that's upside down, but it's the way the world works that's broken. You'll be reminded that God's ways may be unexpected, but they're better. Like Mary, you can praise God for what he's doing in the world, even if it doesn't make sense to you. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Luke chapter 1 with a continuing study called The Song. You know, you think about this idea of God works for the humble. It made me think of uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You know, it's a beautiful verse that we hear it bandied about a lot. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. Now, you know what I think is so important about this verse is this verse is almost always used to encourage prayer. But it doesn't only say if my people who are called by my name will pray. It says if they will humble themselves. So you can pray and not be humble, right? Like we can pray in a self-centered way. And not only does it say that we should humble ourselves, but we should pray and we're seeking God's face. And what do we do? And we turn from our wicked ways. See, here's the thing. Prayer is the world in which we live. And in order to truly pray effectively, first we humble ourselves, then we pray and we seek the Lord's face. And then as we pray and seek the Lord's face, then God encourages us to turn from our wickedness, turn from the things that we do that are not glorifying to God or not blessing to people. So we have to humble ourselves, pray, seek the Lord's face, and turn from our wickedness. And then it says, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive your sin and I'll hear your land. So I'm not saying that we shouldn't think of 2 Chronicles 7.14 as, uh, it's wrong to think of it as an exhortation to pray. The thing is, it's not only an exhortation to pray. It's an exhortation to humble ourselves and then pray and seek God's face. And as God is revealing our stuff to us, then we turn from our wicked ways. And then God can move. So it's not just praying gets God to move. It's this holistic reality of a life that is repentant where we're humbling ourselves. We're coming like Mary and we're saying, Lord, you see the lowly estate of us as your kids. And Lord, because you are great and because you are mighty and because you are holy, 
And I'm none of those things, Lord. Now I'm completely dependent upon you. So I'm asking that you work on my behalf. And as we do that, we humble ourselves and we ask God, we say, God, we don't know what to pray for, but Lord, we want your will to be done. And Lord, we want to seek your face. And as we're seeking God's face, God's like, hey, this area of your life, yeah, that's proud. Hey, that's arrogant. Hey, you're being super selfish right there. Hey, that's pretty judgmental. And then we turn from those things. And as we are being transformed by the Lord, as we're seeking him and humbling ourselves, now all of a sudden God's like, now I can pour out blessings upon my people because now their heart is in that humble place where I can lavish blessings upon them and then my blessings won't be turned into a problem for them. So we want to be people who are humble just as our Lord is humble. Mary realizes that none of what's happening in her life has anything to do with her except for the fact that she realized that a great God is doing a work in a humble woman. Now, from there, it says this in verse 50. It says, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. And really what we learn here is that really in Mary's song, she's praising the fact that God works in unexpected ways because everything that's going on here, it's almost like I didn't expect to see that happen. The idea that God's mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Now, the reason we we don't often equate fearing the Lord with God's mercy. Now, part of that is because when it speaks of fearing the Lord, it's literally speaking of kind of really revering who the the Lord is. We we revere God's name. We, We have utmost respect for God. Right? And we do fear God in the sense that one, we, as I always like to say, that the Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So God as authority and judge, God who sees all things as they truly are, and God who is perfectly holy, it is a scary thing for imperfect people who have never been holy left to our own devices one day of our lives to be in the presence of, of a perfect God. So, so we respect God in his greatness. We respect God in his authority to be able to judge our lives for what they are. And we also, as I always like to remind people, we want to fear severing the relationship we have with God and breaking God's heart through our rebellion. And I always think about this because, you know, it's true in every relationship. If you really care about someone, you should fear breaking their heart. You should do things to make sure that their heart isn't broken. There's a, there's a number of things that if we really care about somebody, we're going to go out of our way to try and do certain things. Like in any relationship, there is an, an aspect of compromise that happens in order to keep that relationship strong. Right? And that's true whether it's with your sweetheart or your closest friends, with your kids, uh, on the job. There's things like, well, I wouldn't do it that way if I was a boss, but my boss has asked me to do it this way, and it really doesn't matter, so I'm just going to do it that way. Right? And we all know what it's like when somebody doesn't do the things that we're asking them to do and we need them to do in order to be happy because you're like, don't you care about me? Is that the way we respond to that stuff? I thought you cared about me. Why are you doing that? Right? Like I always use the example, if my wife hated Mexican food, which isn't the truth, 
She loves herself Mexican food. But if she hated Mexican food, and I was like, hey, sweetie, I, just, I was just thinking about you, and I wanted to bless you, so here's a burrito. She'd be like, Daniel, you know I don't like a burrito. I thought you cared about me. Like, you know, like it, would, it would feel weird to bring her something she doesn't like. And in the exact same way, we should fear bringing God things he doesn't like. We should fear living in rebellion against God. And so God's mercy, of course, is upon those who fear him. So when we respect who the Lord is, then he bestows his mercy upon those, no matter what generation they're in. It also says, he has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Now, I always like this when it says he showed his strength with his arm because literally it's, it's, the idiom is that God's flexing. It's like God's, you know, sun's out, gun's out. God's showing up. He's showing his, his big old muscle. He's got the bulging vein. He's got huge biceps. And, and, and his God is so strong and in God's strength, he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. And so the, the idea is that you would think that the proud, the arrogant, those who have it all together, who really think that they're hot stuff, God God shows that he's stronger than that. And a biblical example of this, of course, is, is the, uh, what happened at the Tower of Babel. Remember, at that point, humanity was really running in rebellion against God. And they're like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to build a tower that's so tall, it's going to reach all the way to heaven. Really what they're saying is we're going to build our stairway to heaven. We're going to find our way into the presence of God through our own ingenuity. And they were so proud, except for the fact that they didn't realize that God wasn't going to have that because you can't work your way to heaven. You can't build your stairway to heaven. There might be a lady who's sure that all that glitters is gold, you know, and she's climbing a stairway. No, she, you can't get there. So God confused their languages. God scattered them in their own pride. And in a, a lot of ways, what we realize is not only does God work on behalf of the humble, but God also actively works against the proud. Because when the proud fulfills the things that they're hoping to do, then they take credit for it, which in effect is living outside of reality because you can't do those things. You don't, none of us do anything of our own volition. We do things that we want to do, but we do them empowered by God. There's nothing that we have that we don't have as a gift, like the breath in your lungs. We, you did not ask for that. That's provided for you. The ability of your body to digest food, you didn't do that. God has done that for you. The ability to have food, God has given you that. See, all these different realities are in the hands of the Lord. And so when we walk in pride, God actively works against us. And so I'm reminded that not only does God resist the proud, that's what the Bible teaches, and he gives grace to the humble. So if we walk in pride, God's going to show his strength by scattering us in the midst of all that's going on. But he doesn't only scatter the proud. Notice, he has put down the mighty from their thrones. So again, those who are exalted, like, man, the rich get richer. The, power, the powerful get more powerful. No, not ultimately. He puts down the mighty from their thrones, but he also exalts the lowly. See that? See, that's why God works in unexpected ways. That's why people say that God's kingdom is upside down, or I'd like to say God's kingdom is right side up. Our lives are upside down. Right? Because we have this tendency to think that the powerful, they're going to be exalted, and the lowly, they're just going to keep getting lower. But in God's ways, God works in unexpected ways, and those who are humble get exalted. And then also, he has filled the hungry with good things. So those who are without, God fills them with good things, and the rich, 
God has sent away empty. So in this way, it shows that what the way God works is God works in unexpected ways as the ways that we would expect given the way the world that we live in works. And Mary's praising God for the unexpected ways in which God works. And this reminds me of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, those classic verses, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, when we read something like this, the question for us becomes, how can we embrace the unexpected ways in which God wants to work? And in a lot of ways, this is when we start looking at things through the lens of the Spirit, through the Word of God. The Word begins to show us that, hey, the way you think it ought to go, it's not always going to go that way. And our culture says, listen, it's about you getting power and getting more power and stepping over people for power. It's like, no, no, no. God's going to put down those people on the thrones that he's actually going to exalt the humble. So he's like, no, if you humble yourself, God will do a work. Of course, Jesus said it this way, that when you go into a banquet, take the lowest seat. Because when they see that you're there, they're going to move you up forward. See, the idea is that like, like they always have to make sure that when I walk in the room, everyone stops and pays homage or whatever. When all that stuff's going on, that's just pride. But if you come in just humble, just like another person, and if God wants to do a work, he's going to push you forward. And so the key for us is to maintain that, that humble reality where we just say, like Mary, hey, who are we? Like, even if God does something amazing and, and you're like, man, I'm being obedient. Listen, we're just doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're just unprofitable servants. That's what Jesus said. Like, we do what we're supposed to do. And it's a good thing to do what we're supposed to do. But God works for the humble and God works in unexpected ways because those who are hungry, God will fill up. And those who are full of everything walk away empty and ultimately... And so for us, it's about trusting that God will ultimately even everything out. And our job is to join God in the things that he wants to do in the here and now. Now, Mary's song, The Magnificent, ends this way. Verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and his seed forever. Now, what this teaches us is that God always works according to Scripture. Because you see what's going on. Mary sees what is happening with her as she is preparing to give birth to Jesus, that this is God's help for the nation of Israel. God is remembering his promises and his mercy toward them. And as God spoke to their fathers, to Abraham and to his seed, see, she sees what's happening in her life as the fulfillment of God's word. And God always works according to scripture, what he has already revealed to us. That's why for us here at Crossroads, we love the scriptures so much. Like, we place a high value on the scriptures. You'll never have a, a pastor here going up there and just kind of riffing off of the pocket, you know, or just rolling out there. Like, we want to learn what the scriptures teach. Why? Because God works according to his word. Of course, it said this way, Amos chapter 3, verse 7, 
Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And, and we realize that all of scripture is prophetic. And so, so God has revealed these things to the prophets who he inspired to write scripture. Now, I think what's also important is we believe in the gift of prophecy for today, but we never place present prophecy above the revealed word of God. We always check prophecy today against God's revealed word. We don't hold a prophet today above the word of God. We hold God's word above the prophets of today because the spirit of the prophets are subject to prophets. And what we, see so what we have going on, and, and you guys know I'm a charismatic in practice, not only in heart. I love the gifts of the spirit. But in some circles within the body of Christ today, if somebody gives a prophecy, it's like it's above scripture. And like we've seen when people set dates on when the Lord is going to return. No, Jesus said no person knows the day or the hour. And as long as I've been a Christian, there's always, oh man, you, you do this thing, study here, and it says well, Jesus is coming back on this day. No, 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 no. Listen, it's all fun and conjecture. Nobody knows the day or the hour. So stop trying to pretend like you know the day or the hour. You, you can discern the seasons, but let's not go overboard. You know, or we just had it recently with our election, and it's like there's all these prophets saying all these things, and people are like, well, what do we do when the prophets are wrong? Well, listen, the word of God is never wrong. Every prophet's fallible, right? And so we have to realize that God's word, we keep it, as I like to say, in the right hand of strength. We always keep the scriptures in the right hand. Everything else over here, it's in the left hand. We're like, oh, that was interesting. Well, we'll see if it happens. Somebody asked me recently, he said, Pastor Daniel, you know, have you gotten prophetic words? I get them all the time. What do you do with them? Oh, either I write them down. And I always say, well, if that's the Lord, it'll come to pass. I never trust someone's prophetic word. I don't need to. I got the scriptures. I got the scriptures. I was, just re I was thinking about this recently because uh, my bride Lynn reminded me of a time when I first got into ministry. I'll never forget it. There, there was a woman who was coming to a Bible study that I was teaching, and she said, hey, I just want you to know that you're going to write for the Lord. And I was like, really? You know, and I'm like, man, I thought to myself after college, I didn't want to write ever again, you know? And I remember she's like, no, 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 I, I believe, you know, God's using you, and I believe you're going to write for the Lord. And, and, and I remember that, you know, I started writing a devotional, started doing that, and then before you know it, you know, devotions and books and all these things start going on. But again, that prophetic word, it came to pass. Praise the Lord. I didn't need the prophetic word to do it, but sometimes a prophetic word can point you in a direction, but you don't really know. I also, along the way, received a prophecy that someone was going to donate a big barge to me. <laughs> now, that hasn't happened yet. Now, listen, if you have a barge, I really don't know that I want it. I, like, I have a hard enough time driving. I don't want a barge. I don't even want a boat, man. You know what a boat is? It's a hole in the water that you throw money into. That's what someone told me recently. It cracked me up. But, but here's the thing. Like, I don't want a boat. But they're like, man, someone's going to give you a barge. And I'm like, what am I going to do with a barge? And they just kind of looked at me. I'm like, okay. You know? And, and that hasn't happened yet. And so, but if you take a prophecy and you elevate it above the word of God, then all you do is looking around for your barge. And I don't want to look around. I, I want to simply respond to Jesus. And if God wants to give me a barge for some reason, I, I don't know what I'll do with it, but I'll figure something out. See, and we have to make sure that we don't take contemporary prophecy and put it above the word of God because God always works according to scripture. And Mary sees the coming birth of Jesus as the fulfillment of the promises that God made to Abraham and to his seed and to all the fathers. And in a lot of ways, 
When you are a person of the scriptures, when you are a person who handles the word of God, always receiving from the word, memorizing it, learning it, seeking to live it out by the spirit, when you're kind of plumbing the depths of what the scriptures say, then you start to say, Lord, will you let my life be according to your scripture? Whatever your word says, Lord, will you let me lean into what that means? Will you let me walk it out? Lord, will you let me be the answer to your prayers? Lord, will you let me be a vehicle for your fragrance to enter the world? See, all these different things become things that when God works according to scriptures, then all of a sudden we want to incorporate that. Another thing I love to do is I love to pray scripture. When was the last time you prayed scripture? Now, as you're reading your Bible, you just start to take each verse and pray that, Lord, will you let this come to pass as it says here? Lord, as your word says this, will you let it happen in this area where you begin to pray the word of God? Because when you pray according to God's word, because God always works according to scripture, you can be assured that God's got a plan. And with all this being said, I believe that right now in your life, at street level, whatever it looks like, whether it's the best view you've ever had or it's right now it's the hardest season you've ever gone through, I believe that God wants you to sing a song to him in the midst of it. Praising God, just like Mary. I mean, don't miss the fact that as Mary is singing this song, her betrothed husband, Joseph, is trying to figure out how to get a divorce because she's pregnant. He doesn't even know what's going on yet. You know, there's, there's, she's going to be ridiculed. There's all these things that are coming for her, but yet she sees the hand of the Lord in the midst of it, and she's trusting God. She's trusting that he works on behalf of the humble. She sees herself as humble. She's trusting that God is going to do unexpected things, unlike anybody would realize, and she knows that God's working according to his predetermined plan that he revealed to the prophets of old. And I want to encourage you this Christmas season to see your life the same way. Listen, if right now it's a time for lament, then I want you to sing your song of lament, but with the hopefulness knowing that God can work all things together for good. If right now it's a season of great victory and triumph, I want you to sing that song of praise because we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. If, if it's a confusing season, right now, then you can sing your song of, God, this is confusing, but I trust that you will bring clarity. See, whatever season we're in, there's a song that God wants us to sing. And maybe it's just a song between you and your heavenly father. But what I want to tell you is that song is of equal value to a song that people sing all over the world because it's the song of praise of a child of God trusting their Heavenly Father to do what only He can do. Jesus is real. Thanks for staying with us today as Pastor Daniel closed out this message by encouraging you to sing your song to the Lord in the midst of whatever's going on in your life. Like Mary, you can trust that God is at work in you, that you're not alone, and that there's hope. So whatever season of life you find yourself in today, whether it be a time of great joy or great sorrow, one of plenty or of need, you can sing your song to God. Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? 
Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will talk about how Jesus is a ruler with a kingdom. You'll be reminded that you, like everyone else, need to allow Jesus and his priorities to be more important than your own. You'll also learn that Jesus never accommodated the conservatives and the liberals, but was subversively political. He didn't bow to the systems of his day and won't buy into ours because he has his own kingdom. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Humble Sacred. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.